Is that good? There you go. Wake you up. All right. We read from Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy means uh, second law or repeating law. And it is repeating this morning. For while Guy read from the Gospel of Luke, he also read from Deuteronomy. For every response that Jesus made to the devil, it was from Deuteronomy. It is written, one does not live by bread alone, Deuteronomy 8.3. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him, Deuteronomy 6.13. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test, Deuteronomy 6.16. Repeated law. People often ask, where is God in difficult times? And Jesus in the wilderness says, read your Bible. Keep it close to you so that when the world goes crazy, you don't join the mob that yells, crucify, crucify. Instead, you have a North Star, a light, a light by which to walk. The repeated law comes from Deuteronomy. This morning, Moses is the speaker. He is saying goodbye. He will die in the wilderness, but he gives directions to the people of God to walk with God in the promised land. So Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11, hear the word of God. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle it, you shall take some of the first fruit of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in the office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And when the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall uh, make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and inflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders, and he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God, and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house.
Moses isn't going to make it to the promised land, but he's hoping that his words make it to the promised land. He's retiring, but he's not really retiring. When you're in charge, it's hard to give up the power. Ask any parent. Notice that I notice that uh, though my children are adults, I'm still very much in charge of their lives. I'm always telling them what they need to do. I offer this advice for nothing. I suspect that when I die and go to heaven, my mom will there be there and tell me to sit up straight and you look tired. Um, you don't ever retire when you love. You still worry, which is love. You still want the best, which is love. I suspect that Moses, he's taking his children out of Egypt through the wilderness but are they ready? Are they ready? Are they really ready to go into the promised land? I don't know this, but I think Moses might have a fear that his children will once again lose their religion. They've had a habit of this. He knows one minute the children are praising God, and the next minute they're complaining to God about God. One moment they're all in with God, the next moment they're in with a golden calf. Minute by minute, moment by moment, losing their religion. Just like that, just losing their religion. How long does it take you to lose your religion? Well, let's find out. Here we are in church, and it looks like we all are keeping our religion. Good for you. But not long from now, I'll say the benediction, and after the benediction, just look at your watch, and the time will start. If at the moment you look at your watch and you say, the service has run long again, that preacher, he preaches way too long, well then, that's four seconds for losing your religion. You've already sinned. I know this because I'm an academic in religion and I know these kind of things. So uh, if you would, just uh, email me uh, four seconds, okay? Just email me four seconds. That's when you've lost your religion. Now, some of you aren't that way at all. Some of you, uh, well, you love church. You can't get enough church as if you have nothing better to do. You just, you love church. And you will go a long, 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 long time without losing your religion. You know this about you. You can almost feel it in you that you're going to go a long, long time. But what we know about you is that you lack a self-awareness. So... Um, when you, when you finally sin and send it in on an email, we'll, we'll look at the committee and we'll, we'll come up for a time for you, if that's all right. Some of you uh, won't have to keep track of time at all. Your spouse will do it for you. Sometime after the benediction, a voice will say something like, seven minutes, 23 seconds. They've marked the time for you when you've lost your religion. And don't worry, you won't even have to worry about sending it in. They'll send it in for you. They'll email me with the number 7 minutes, 23 seconds. This is what your spouse, in some cases your friend, not that your spouse can't be your friend, but you know what I mean. We lose our religion so easily. We'll get the results. And let's find out how well we do. Next week in the bulletin, we'll, we'll print out all the times, and you can compare and contrast how well you did amongst all your peers. What do you think? 
I think Moses is worried about people losing their religion. It's easy to do. I've read and you've read news articles about how COVID in the church has hit congregations very hard. The consensus is that about a quarter or a third of the people who used to attend worship won't be coming back. They say, I've just gotten out of the habit of worshiping. Imagine how God must feel to be thought of as a habit. But it's been difficult. I know, on again, off again, masked, on again, up, COVID numbered, on. Yeah, it's been difficult. It's been difficult. Well, now we're kind of coming back, and we've got a little worker shortage, and boy, we'd sure need some help. It'd be nice to have communion, communion again. People say, when can we have communion again? Well, when we can get all the elders to sign up to get communion again, we'll have communion. Because I know how it is. I've sat in the pews and tried to open up that stupid thing. I just, I couldn't even get to the bread. My, I gave it to my wife. She couldn't get at it. I was like, I could see the bread. I just, what do I do? Eat the plastic? I don't know. And I know people say, I could have told you this when you closed down church. I know, I know, I know. But you've all been pretty good and very supportive. I know many pastors have called it quits, opting to sell real estate instead of preaching the word, hoping that the promised land will be something that they can sell. Isn't it interesting how it is that in times when they get tough, we can so easily lose our religion? at the exact time when we need to hold on to our religion. When we're backed up against the wall, yes, I believe that is the time when we need to hold on to our faith and not say, no, I've never met the man. I don't know who you're talking about. Look, I don't know who you're talking about. This is not the time to deny. It's to hold on. When the road is difficult, we're the ones who have to have to bandage the wounds and put the ointment on and sacrifice the comfort we have for someone else, the Good Samaritan. And I will confess that it has taken me a while to begin to understand that the faith requires some discipline. I have tended to rely heavily on the grace of God, the love of God, but often that looks like nothing. It often looks like nothing in a hurting world. To be a disciple, it takes discipline, disciple, discipline. And discipline is very much needed. As you know, Beth and I have a puppy, and a puppy takes some discipline. To a puppy, the world is a new creation. Everything, everything's just a great new creation. It's exciting and fun, and Beth and I are the bearer of bad news to the puppy. Bella, that's just not so. You can't do that everywhere. You can't sit on top of my head when I'm on the sofa. You can't bite my wife. Discipline. And the way we've been told to reinforce the discipline is that when they do well, you keep offering snacks. Just a little 
thing here that every time they do something, here, here, good Bella, good Bella, good Bella, good Bella, good Bella. And when no, no, no snack. Good discipline. Heal Bella, treat, sit Bella, treat, fetch Bella, treat, anything and everything. Treat, 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 treat. Our puppy weighs 500 pounds when it sits on my head. But we're having discipline. But how do you remember to keep the faith? How do you remember the discipline of keeping the faith? Well, it reminds me of the way Moses does it. It also reminds me of something I read in a book a number of years ago. The book was called Moonwalking with Einstein. It's a book about the discipline of remembering. And what inspired the author to write the book was that he was a reporter and that he was reporting on memory competition. There's this memory competition that's held once a year. This year, I think it's in Orlando, Florida. And these groups of people, they, they can memorize huge lists of things, decks of cards, great long poems, faces and names. It's, it's amazing what they can memorize. And the reporter interviewed these people thinking that these people are all just amazing. They're savants. And, and the people said, no, not really. There's a trick to it. In fact, you can do it. I can do it? He said, they said, yeah, you can do it. And he learned the discipline and actually won some competitions. Amazing. And one of the tricks that I remember from the book to just remember long lists, say like a grocery list, is just to remember a, a building. See yourself going towards a building. Say your home, for example, and you've got a list for grocery items. And the thing that you do is that you go to your mailbox and you think of yourself opening the mailbox. And when you open the mailbox, there is a hot loaf of bread in the mailbox. And so you got the list. You got bread on your list, sure enough. So you catch your bread and then you go up and you're walking towards your home and, and there on the sidewalk are just salmon, just flipping about, fish, salmon, salmon. Ugh. And so you got your bread and your salmon on the side. You go up the steps and there on the steps are just, you see these little green olives, black olives. And then as you go into the door, there you see grape juice, grape juice. And so you've got your list each place, and you, you just see it in your mind. And so when you see it in your mind, you see your house, you're just walking through your house, you got your list, and you can memorize long lists. Well, Moses is doing a little of that. When you come into the land, when you come into the land that the Lord your God has given to you, you shall take the first fruits. So you can see the first fruits. And when you see the first fruits, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to say, Well, this is the land that my Lord my God has given me. And next the fruit goes into the basket. The basket goes to the church. The church goes to the priest. The basket goes to the priest. The priest takes the basket and you say, Today the Lord my God, I've come into the land that God has given to us. And then the priest takes the basket, puts it to the altar. And do you remember the whole story? The wandering airman, the, the, the fleeing from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea. You tell the whole story. 
You see it. You see it. And so every spring you see it, the first fruits. And it reminds you, I didn't do this on my own. This is my story. It's been done with God and the people of God. It's a discipline. Keeping your religion. So I guess what I'm asking is maybe that we should start doing something the same. After all, it is Lent, a 40-day journey in the wilderness. So let's hold on to our religion, not just by putting numbers of how long we've kept our religion in the bulletin. Let's see how long our light might shine. So maybe when you come home today, go to your mailbox and open your mailbox. And what's in the mailbox? The kid says bread. James got it. Bread. And what's the bread remind us of? This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What's the bread remind us of? That when we were in the wilderness, God provided manna. What's the bread remind us of? That when we were there with the thousands, Jesus took bread and he broke it and fed the whole congregation. The word never comes back empty. And as you go up the steps, what do you see? Go up the sidewalk, what? It's fish, salmon. <laughs> you just remember that. And you think, oh, yeah. Jesus told us that we... We should fish for people. And that my job in this world, my discipline in this world, is to share that light of Christ with everyone, even the people in my home. Everyone. You go up the steps, and there are the olives, the olives, the olives. And you think of the prayer on the Mount of Olives. Lord, take this cup from me, but no, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And so you say to yourself, you know, help me, Lord, during this time not to be about my will, but always thy will. And there by the door, the grape juice, the cup, this is the blood of my new covenant sealed in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember, remember, remember. You see, there's so many places we go. And you can just put your list there anywhere, at the office, there at the coffee ma machine. You can have the bread. There on the copier of the olives. There among your assistants, the cross of Christ. And you remember the discipline. You remember where you came from, the first fruits of the land. I didn't do this on my own. And this is how we walk the journey of Lent with God.